Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Generative AI is pushing financial institutions to rethink how they work in exciting ways. Early adopters are already seeing the benefits. But before financial institutions can reap these rewards, there are considerations and lessons to build on. Prime among them is a warning. The most dangerous thing about AI is assuming that it only delivers productivity or only can be applied in a risk and fraud area. Today, we are joined by Anu Sashdeva, Global Solutions and Service Line Leader for Banking and Capital Markets at GenPAC, a global professional services firm focused on delivering outcomes that transform businesses. Anu regularly writes on digital disruption in banking, designing customer experience-led operational models, and is a frequent speaker for industry associations. Today, Anu and I talk about the opportunities and change that generative AI can bring to financial institutions, the four key considerations for financial institutions and other enterprises to follow, the steps toward integrating AI most effectively, and some of the use cases that offer unexpected possibilities. You know, it's amazing how many conversations there are around generative AI and chat GPT, even though the technology from a public standpoint was introduced just a little bit less than one year ago. You know, the stories of generative AI success are beginning to catch the attention of financial institutions globally. Morgan Stanley has used OpenAI ChatGPT to organize its wealth management knowledge base. And both Goldman Sachs and Westpac have used it to help their developers write code. But you know what? We're still only scratching the surface of the opportunities before us. So, Anu, before we um, get into a little bit about chat GPT and generative AI, could you introduce yourself and give our listeners a quick look at your extensive background as well as describe what GenPAC does for the financial services industry? Absolutely. And thank you very much, Jim. Super excited to be here today in my role as Global Service Line and Solutions Leader. I am responsible for our go-to-market and execution of all our future forward data process and tech solutions. And we generate all the big business outcomes for our clients. In my past role, I was the head of North America segment leadership. And in that role, I led several large relationships, created multi-million dollar contracts for GenPAC and, and doubled down the footprint uh, across various uh, financial institutions. I grew in commercial and retail banking. That was the early part of my career. And there I was responsible uh, in several roles across sales, operations, Six Sigma. And that's where I really developed my deep domain. Now, a little bit about GenPact. GenPact is global, publicly listed professional services firm. And in GenPact, we deliver business outcome that actually transform industries and shape futures. Our global uh, Fortune 500 clients, they come to us. They come to us for digital-led innovation. They come to us for uh, digitally-enabled operations that dig very deep into data and data from insights into action. GenAI is all a part of that, as we are all talking about. And it is, it is a deep domain and industry experience that we have built over the past 25 years that has led for us having that meta intelligence 
and algorithms which are so crucial for enabling generative AI. I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, Genpact has over 100,000 employees. We are uh, from New York to New, uh, to New Delhi. We actually are passionate about driving the purpose of the organization, which is relentless pursuit of a future that's great for everyone. And we are, we are the, the number one business services provider for several companies. Well, you know, it's interesting Lou, that um, AI is not something new to the financial services industry. In fact, um, financial institutions of all sides have used AI for, for decades, actually, in, in preventing fraud and looking at risk options. But when you look at generative AI and you look at chat GPT, it really opened our eyes to what was possible. And th- as I said, this is only about one year ago that it become, became more of a public domain type discussion. What do you find the most exciting about what has happened in the last year? You know, actually, it's very interesting, Jim. Look, with generative AI, and I think all of us kind of got introduced to it with ChatGPT, as you just mentioned earlier in the show, the power of generative AI came into our hands. We could actually, all of us, and this ignited conversations, this actually brought people together to look at different innovations. And what I'm super excited about is how it can actually lead to newer solutions, newer products. I almost think, to be honest, I almost think about generative AI similar to how electricity came into our lives several years back. And if you think about it, you know, what it did was it actually decoupled the energy from source to use. And what it led to was newer factory models, newer products, and newer usage. I think of generative AI in exactly the same way. This is actually a way for us to create newer designs, newer solutions for our customers, those personalized experiences actually help in containing risk in operations in our supply chain. So opportunities are tremendous, Jim. So I know that uh, Genpact is working with a number of global banks and financial institutions of all sizes to solve business challenges for their customers and partners using AI capabilities. Could you share some of the use cases of how generative AI has been applied and where have you seen the greatest interest? You're right, Jim. We have been working with with several of our clients uh, across various parts of the value chain and applying generative AI. And I can share with you a few examples where we have applied both in the non-financial services world as well as the financial services world. A few examples which come to my mind, a software development team uh, with 1,800 plus custom applications. You know, they use different programming languages, but imagine how the change request process would be. Very, very time consuming. With Generative AI, we were able to automate the code delivery and accelerate the testing by almost 60%. That's a great example of using generative AI in actually software development. The other example which comes to my mind is also even at Genpact internally, we are leveraging generative AI in our own payables process where we have been able to make it far more efficient, almost by about 35 to 40%, and responding to the payment queries faster, thereby enabling the process to be far more smarter. So there are a number of examples which come to my mind. And coming back to our financial services world, which is where I'm seeing uh, several applications of generative AI and where we are testing, some of them are very futuristic. 
but we are the innovation hub for our clients and we are testing generative ai across the value chain within banking and couple of ideas and areas i spoke about that in in one of the finovate sessions as well is in underwriting in commercial banking where we are actually testing to reduce the cycle time it takes to underwrite wherein we are crunching reams and reams of documents and how you can actually create uh, so much of intelligence from there and help reduce the cycle time of bringing customers on board so those are a few examples which come to my mind and and there are several more which we are testing right now uh, so you very much like me uh, do a lot of speaking. You get in front of a lot of groups, and I know there's a lot of buzz around generative AI. And you delivered recently a keynote at Finnovate Fall on the topic, as well as wrote an article or was interviewed by FinTech Futures to get your perspective on generative AI. So as a, as an expert, or at least right now as much as an expert as any of us can be after only one year under our belt, you know, what in your view should banks consider as they start their generative AI journey? And, and this has come up several times, and, and that's actually a real uh, challenge, I would say, as banks get onto the journey, because there is so much of information out there, and there are so many ideas. How do you prioritize? I think that's the first thing which the banks are actually struggling with. How do you prioritize what use case to take? And more importantly, how do you make sure that that's effective? So the first area or the first, you know, um, I would say learning that I want to share with our customers is be very specific about what outcome that you want to drive from generative AI. It's extremely important to use generative AI in end-to-end solution end-to-end outcome versus making it a point solution. And that's, I think, this is the biggest mistake. Sometimes, you know, our clients, you know, are thinking very narrow. Uh, that's one. The second area, which is very critical, is integrate generative AI as a part of your overall technology stack. That's another big learning. You know, combine it with cloud, with robotic process automation. You know, close to our banking world, if you think about it, you know, covenant monitoring, create your models using generative AI, use your workflows, you know, to, to monitor them. So there are several areas where it can actually integrate across the technology stack. I think data becomes a very, very critical component and data orchestration. How do you yeah. ensure that the data, you know, is available, it's clean, it's labeled well? I think data is going to be the most important aspect, you know, as banks look at getting onto that journey. And then uh, process is equally important, Jim. And sometimes, and a lot of times, we overlook the importance of having, uh, you know, a standard process, very well defined with what KPIs you're going to measure. And one interesting example which comes to our mind, I was talking to chief data officer was they were unable uh, to actually work on a use case because they were very, very split on what KPIs with, should they target for. And I think that's an important aspect to keep in mind. And lastly, but not the least, is the change management, which is needed. How do you bring your employees? Because look, the biggest question on everyone's mind is, how will generative AI impact me as an employee in the organization? So bringing employees with you onto the journey to make sure that they are, you know, they feel a part of it and also helping them upskill, uh, you know, and, and get trained onto generative AI is going to be critical. 
You know, you unpacked so much there, and we're going to get into each one of those topics. You know, one thing that's interesting, you mentioned it, that, you know, when we talk about generative AI and we talk about chat GPT, we tend in our mind to think it's one thing, but the reality is there's so many different platforms. I realize that in my own life, and I, I don't use it nearly as much as most financial institutions do, the reality is there's so many platforms that are specialized in certain areas of generative AI and to find the partner organization or partner platform that's going to work. But more importantly, you talked about the importance of data. And so many institutions use the fact that their data is not um, market ready. Let's call it that market ready out there. And because they just think it's, you know, there's too many silos. It's not integrated. Well, it may not be clean. I think what's important is for organizations to realize this is why you use partnerships, partnerships like um, your organization, GenPAC, that, that can help make that data usable, make it so it can be deployed against a number of solutions. But generative AI being most important, certainly in our discussion today, you know, that's one of the major challenges. But with any innovation comes challenges. And especially with something as, tr as transformative as generative AI, what challenges besides the data element have you seen in the marketplace with organizations that are early movers? What, what things have been, has it been leadership? Has it been the overall culture of the organization? Has it been, been that organizations may not know their why? They just want to do something without really knowing what their destination is going to be. What have you seen, if you put it in a general context, what have you seen as being the most important challenge that organizations have to realize they're going to have to face? You know, Jim, this is such an important question, and, and I think um, you are absolutely right. As I meet up with so many customers, and I'm sure you have heard in your conversations as well, for early adopters, there's a lot out there. So how do you make sure that you choose and you are selecting, first of all, and what are the characteristics of those partners? I think there's a little bit of a lack of clarity. And, and the way I see it, there are four different kinds of uh, partners which are there in the market, you know, they are the democratizers, which are the big tech, which have where the you know the large models are, foundational models are, whether it's you know the the Microsoft of the world or AWS, Google, so many of them, right? And then you have those solution creators, and these are the solution creators who actually build those business outcomes on top of these foundation models, right? The third category of partners are those technology architects. And these are those architects, experts with domain who will enable fine tune these models using, you know, uh, prompt engineering or several other different kind of ways, but bringing in that contextualization uh, of that domain where this, you know, application will be in their specific industries or in their specific organizations. And then lastly, you know, to your earlier point are the data specialists. And these are the partners who will enrich data, who will make sure that data governance and governance is in place, who will make sure that data is correctly labeled. So there are so many different kind of partners out there. And I think, you know, as GenPack, we obviously play between, you know, being the solution creator or being a technology architect and data specialist. And we work with all the democratizers. But I think for early adopters, really, some of the challenges are, First of all, how do I select? How do I bring these different components of partners together? How do I ensure that, you know, my data is ready? And I think data, you know, as you and I were talking about earlier, 
you know, becomes a very critical thread to enable uh, some of these models. Um, some of them are having challenges with having trained data specialists who will enable, uh, you know, generative AI applications. A few others that I've met, they are having challenges in in target operating model internally. You know, it almost seems, you know, and one story I have here is it almost to them, some of them seems like a cottage industry because every function wants to create their own models, their own solutions, their own, you know, proof of concept. So what is that right target, target operating model within the organization? You know, who should own the models? How should you run it? How do you, you know, create that machinery uh, within the organization and bring it together? And lastly, I think where I have seen uh, some organizations struggle is really in getting senior leadership buy-in because they are not able to justify the cost. And that's really where I was talking about this whole linkage to outcome versus thinking of generative AI as a point solution. You know, they are very narrowly defining yeah. uh, the role it can play. So those are a few things which come to my mind. So almost everybody's at the starting gate right now. And it's not an easy track because there's so many tracks you can go. You can use it as a content creator. You can use it as a uh, way to get better resource management. You can use it for back office solutions. So if we look at the next 12 to 18 months, where do you see some of the strongest implementations happening? And what are you seeing right now as we look at AI solutions and, and generative AI solutions in consumer and commercial banking specifically? What, what have you seen as being a good startup use case? So, Jim, I have seen across the spectrum. I would be very transparent that most of the applications that I have seen so far are more internal facing. What I mean here is they are more targeted towards improving employee experience, whether it's you know employee experience in the contact centers, which is largely where I've seen banking and financial institutes starting their journey because you know this is where a lot of pain points are there, a lot of unstructured data is sitting in. And they want to increase and improve the experience which the end customers have. And that can only be done by really improving the employee experience and also enabling them with information. So, you know, uh, ensuring that next best action is created and support and support the customer service agents with the right information so that they could deliver uh, a great end outcome. So that's one big use case, which I have seen predominantly where most organizations are at least starting off from. The second area, again, little bit internal facing is more in their own contracting, in their own legal departments, where, again, there is reams and reams of data yep. and paper sitting in. How do you extract information? How do you simplify? How do you make sure that uh, you're able to, you know, um, get get more information faster? And then uh, there are some areas where uh, some of the banks are... Uh, some of the large banks are already testing, trying it. And I think Morgan Stanley announced in their financial advisory uh, where they have already tested and tried and implemented uh, generative AI. But a few others are uh, testing it in uh, functions like marketing, where they are looking to expand the market size by, again, by, you know, getting as much information uh, from the data, uh, from the customer 360 data, interaction data so that they could make much smarter choices for their customers. 
we are actually helping, as I said, you know, in, in a few use cases that uh, we are trying for our customers. Um, delinquency management is another area where I think there will be a lot more which will come in. Uh, so far, it's largely been in customer experience, but delinquency management, as the market softens, I think there will be more activity we will see there. We are already trying and testing there using um, greater insights from data to control delinquency. So those are a few I, you know, areas where I'm already seeing some action. So it, it's interesting, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the early applications of AI, not generative AI, but AI in general was in risk and fraud management because it was using data to find patterns, things that stood out as being good ways of identifying risk. So Genpack has recently announced the integration of Amazon Bedrock into its Risk Canvas Financial Crime Suite. How is Genpack using advanced generative AI capabilities to really change the way we look at financial crime management? Jim, this actually is probably the most important area in my view as we look at the future applications of generative AI. How do we make the world more safer? How do we make financial institutes more safer? And I think that's really the application of how to how to cut down on fraud? How do we stop this money laundering which is happening there? And let me back it up a little and share some statistics around it. Uh, there is roughly about uh, $1.6 trillion of illicit funds which transact across the globe. And only, unfortunately, only 1.6% of that ever get caught or get remediated. So this is a very massive problem uh, and a big risk for us as an as financial services, you know, uh, partners, banks, institutes, and which has to be solved. And look, banks have been at it to solve it. They have been trying to remediate it, but they end up they have also ended up paying a lot of fines for uh, you know lack of controls in these areas, as high as eight or nine billion dollars within a year last year or two years. So. Um, how we are uh, looking to solve it. And again, I'm super proud that as Genpact, so close to our purpose of really making this world safer, um, we have been able to leverage generative AI in what is called transaction monitoring, which is a very important part of uh, anti-money laundering. So as any transaction happens, you know, if you and I make a transaction on a credit card or in our wallet, any of these transactions would go through what is called a transaction monitoring process where some keywords are matched. So that matching takes a lot of time because there are several permutations and combinations which have to happen. That's one part of this being a very tedious process. The second part of this being very, very tedious is that in, you know, in the interest of keeping it, very safe, banks and institutes, they create a lot more transactions which they pull out as what, as what is called false positive. So that increases the load on uh, the analysts who are working on it. And guess what? In the meantime, you know, while this activity of matching and you know, cross-checking and narrative writing is happening, these fraudsters are probably going and making transactions in several different institutes. So the way we actually helped in solving this, we, we partnered uh, you know, with AWS. So we have our own proprietary platform called Risk Canvas. Using AWS Bedrock uh, Generative AI Large Language Models, we have been able to cut down the time it takes to write these narratives. 
we've been able to actually do this work in minutes where it was taking several days to do it. And the biggest thing also is this, this actually helps in explainability to regulators, which has also been a very big pain point. So um, very happy and very, very proud to share this, uh, you know, with our audience. This is now a solution which is already running. Okay, so I'm going to flip things around a little bit. And let's say you're working for a financial institution. And you have a, an idea of what generative AI is, what its capabilities are, what ChatGPT is. But really, your organization is just starting off. And at least in my experience, I was at uh, Money 2020 in Amsterdam a few months ago. I was in, at Cybos in Toronto last month. And there isn't one organization, solution provider, that's not talking about how they're using generative AI. If you were a banker, how would you evaluate the providers out there to find out how many are really using generative AI and ChatGPT and other solutions and how many are just talking about it and not really ready to put it to use yet? How do you, how do you sift through all this when everybody's in the learning process? No, I think a uh, great point. And I would probably start with domain. Do you have the right domain in the area that you're actually trying to solve that problem? And I think that's, that will probably differentiate one partner from the other. Look, we all will have access to the foundation models. We will all have access to what sits on top of these foundation models. A lot of it is now going to be in open source. But how do you use it? How do you personalize it? How do you fine-tune it? And for fine-tuning also, Jim, you know, the big, the big part of fine-tuning is the contextualization. And where will the context come from if you don't have that domain? So I come back to domain as being one of the biggest criteria which, which companies should look for. The second would be the ability to actually look at data. I think that's the other big aspect, you know, as partners, uh, you, know, you know, how are we creating data discoverers in the organizations? Do they have the right team who is supporting and do they have the right mix of engineers who will be able to bring in their expertise along with the industry experts who know what they are looking for? So it's a combination, I would think, which will have to come in play. So it's interesting, you know, you talked about it earlier, the, the need to find talent. We, we know there's a, you know, there was already a need to find talent when you talk about digital banking transformation. But now with generative AI, there's even a greater need to find talent that's going to understand that and be able to translate talk to actions. You're also going to have to train existing employees on how to best use generative AI to, to build better solutions, both from a revenue standpoint, a customer service standpoint, and a back office innovation and transformation standpoint. But how do financial institutions deliver that training so that it have a direct impact on the return on their investment? How can generative AI help this happen? So actually, Jim, um, we went through this journey ourselves. And I can share with our audience, you know, how we went about doing this. Because look, in our organization, which is 110,000 uh, plus, <laughs> you know, large organization, yeah. and our biggest asset, our jewel, are our employees, our people. So we, we, came, we went on the journey um, almost five to six years back when we stepped into the AI world, right? So before even generative AI. 
we came in as very strong process experts, but we realized very quickly that, look, our process experts now need to be data experts. They have to be data discoverers who should be able to understand the deep data sitting in so that we could create those insights for our customers and take it to action. So we brought in what we call as a data bridge program, which essentially trained our process experts to become data experts. So we currently roughly have about 80,000 of our 110,000 employees who are data trained. That helped us step into our next phase, what we call as AI journey. So now we took our data experts and created a program, a very curated training program, and we call it Genome, which actually has a learning path for each of the employee. If Anu Sachdeva wants to tomorrow become a data expert in risk and consulting, I will have a curated path uh, for that learning. So we actually are right now uh, in the process of training our teams who, who are now AI experts. And this is an open platform, which is open for our employees for cross-training, upskilling, because we think it's extremely important to have your organization ready uh, so that we could create that momentum and knowledge management for our teams. And this is something which we offer to our customers as well. Um, and it was something which was very, very critical for us, uh, even, even during pandemic, because you know, we were able to train a mass employees, you know, onto uh, data and several other processes. So that's how, as Genpack, we have been able to handle this. And and I think this is going to be knowledge management, training, cross-training would become very critical. And that is closely linked to employee retention and employee satisfaction as well. So it's interesting, you know, there's not a discussion that goes on where people aren't concerned about whether AI new technology, or even more importantly, generative AI, may actually replace the need for humans. Or maybe there'll be a mix of humans and and technology. If I was to look it up in, in a, a generative AI uh, qu uh, query around, you know, will generative AI replace humans? I could get various answers that go both sides of the equation. What is your perspective on how AI may or may not replace humans? So Jim, you know, I always think that as humans, we have a tendency to overreact. And this is not new. This has been happening over hundreds of years. If you dial back into history, you know, at the time of Socrates, you know, with reading, he thought it was, uh, it's going to atrophy memory. Or when newspapers came in, it was assumed that, hey, you know, we will stop interacting with people and we will not be able to exchange ideas or not even gossip around. When television came into their lives, everyone thought that, you know, people are going to stop doing intelligent activities. Well, look, none of that happened, right? I mean, so in the same light, um, I think that generative AI actually is going to help us. It's going to actually help the task get better. So. In my view, it's going to be human in the loop. It's not replacing humans. And most, yep. most predominantly in the banking and financial services world, for sure, where there is so much of regulation, we think that human in the loop is going to help in making uh, the decisions more empathetic, in bringing in uh, you know, ethics, in bringing in that emotional question, in bringing in that you know, decision-making 
which will actually make these technologies far more creative and, and innovative uh, so that we could actually make life simpler and give humans more superpower to perform their work. Yeah, I, I see it also as a supplementary or complementary role. Yeah, business has changed. Uh, roles change. Uh, there's a human, you know, I, I, I see it enhancing the humankind situation, but it's going to take work on humans to be ready for that. They, they can't stay still, still hoping that, you know, it will stay out of the way. It, you're going to have to learn along the way. So what makes you most excited as you look at the future of generative AI and banking? I feel things are going to actually improve in experiences, what we can deliver for our customers. There will be far more personalized experience the interaction that we have had with our banks is going to drastically change. It'll be far more intelligent, personalized. There will be newer products, which you and I can't even think about right now. Uh, the way I feel and see the world is going to move away from just being reactive into being more predictive and being more proactive. And that's how the solution set are going to be. And that's at least, you know, as an organization, as Genpack, we think about it. It's going to be all about newer designs, newer uh, set of ideas which will come to the market. Yes, there will be regulations. Yes, there will be those areas which we all have to think about as we you know, roll out some of the products. But the future is going to be very exciting for us in banking. You know, it's interesting. I, I talked about the horse race analogy, saying that we're almost all at the starting gate. Some maybe are, have a little bit of a lead in the process, but... You know, for those that are at the starting gate, trying to look around, see what the playing field is going to look like, figuring out what to do next, how do you think financial institutions should start their journey? What, what must they do today to become future ready for tomorrow? I think first and foremost, employees. First and foremost, make sure that organization readiness is there. And for that readiness, how are you? you know, as an organization, you investing in training, cross-training, upskilling employees. That's to me is the number one criteria. Second area, which I would say is, you know, think about how your data is set up today. You know, just store in, you know, maybe try, look at how you can create some proof of concepts, you know, pick up areas which can actually help customers. You can look at, you know, interaction data, for customers, how do you personalize the experiences? So I think there are opportunities where it can be tested and tried rather than having to jump you know, into completely a client-facing generative AI application. There are several areas which can be tested right away. There are partners like us who already have some of these ready and you know, some of these are already being tested. Uh, talk to those partners, you know, learn. I think this is an opportunity for all of us to collectively learn out there to understand what more can be done. So this is actually a great way for, uh, you know, banks and financial institutions to also come together and see, you know, how do we, how do we make this more transparent, you know, for the end customers as well, because those questions will also come in, you know, uh, and, and ask us, ask the partners like us, you know, how are we making sure that these, uh, you know, models are transparent, these models, you know, have yeah. been tested, so I would probably put in both the sides that, you know, uh, in your due diligence, ask some of these things to your partners. So, New, finally, on a, on a personal note, 
You know, when you look at generative AI, while there was inklings of what could happen, until ChatGPT really was introduced in, I think it was November 30th of last year, it was all about what we could dream of as opposed to what we can apply. We've all had to learn very quickly what's possible. And every time I open a, a new tweet or LinkedIn article or some research paper, it makes me know how little I know about what's going on. So on a personal note, Nanu, how do you stay on top of what's going on in the field of generative AI at a time when you have a lot of other responsibilities as well that don't have anything to do with generative AI? How do you balance your day and how do you continually learn what you have to know next? So Jim, I actually immerse myself into anything which attaches itself to generative AI, all the way from music to medical to my current world of banking and financial services. You know, um, my daughter sings and we are right now recording uh, for her. And I was fascinated when I read about, uh, you know, this K-pop group. I don't know whether you knew that. There's a K-pop group which is completely Gen AI driven yeah. or AI driven. So, you know, so the opportunities which are out there are so enormous that every day I get up to learn. We, you know, of course, you know, in, in Genpack, we have several, uh, you know, as I'm telling you about our genome learning platform. So I encourage myself to learn and my teams to learn new, but I think it's all up to us. I think it's the ingredient of curiosity, which I try to put in every day as I come into work, that what new am I learning today? What is a new application that I'll walk back today? And uh, I try to then learn and share because that's another way to to ensure that you are learning correctly and I ask questions and and ask questions, you know, so there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of terminologies I'm not familiar with. I reach out to my team members and, um, you know, learn from them. So it's, it's a great way to actually exchange, you know, learning, learn something new every day uh, and stay very, very curious because we will, we will know a new thing. I'm sure every, every second, a new thing is getting introduced so we will always be uh, able to learn something new every day. That is such a great suggestion. And it's something that I take for granted many times. I think you probably take for granted the issue of curiosity, wanting to learn more, wanting to continually evolve, because evolution and change is something that is not in our in our blood. It's something that we resist overall because who wants to be told that, oh, by the way, what you learned yesterday is no longer sure. relevant and you've got to keep on changing. I'm, I'm, I'm no youngster, but I realize that I have so much fun having conversations with people that are using it in different ways. And a real quick story is at a restaurant this last week. Um, the waitress said that she just got out of school. She's trying to build um, a journalistic background she has, but she's trying to write some pieces of fiction. And so we got done with dinner. I pull her aside and say, by the way, how are you doing? She goes, really well. I said, okay, so in your pursuit of writing some fiction tales, some books, how much are you using a generative AI in your process? She goes, it is saving my life because you no longer have to have a writer's block because you can always ask someone or something smarter than you about what you're trying to write about and get ideas. She says, I don't write from that, but it keeps me going. It keeps my mind moving. And, and it's such a great opportunity, but there are so many 
that find this difficult, especially in banking, where when I started in banking, you know, one of the reasons why I like banking, people recommended it, said, well, things move kind of slowly. It's pretty stable business. There's not a lot of change. <laughs> that was something that was an asset back then. It's no longer an asset. So Anu, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your enthusiasm, your knowledge in the area of generative AI, but also your recommendations as to how people can move forward because it's so easy not to move forward, but it's really the death knell because things aren't going to stop simply because we want them to. And and part of that learning process is also understanding the risks that are involved. We didn't talk about that too much, but the reality is you have to be aware to know what you don't want to know or what you, you don't want to pursue as much as what you do pursue. So again, thank you and your team from GenPak for doing so much for the industry in the area of generative AI. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We appreciate the support we've received to make this endeavor a success. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time and show some love in the form of a review. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research we're doing at the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Chris Fafalias, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Remember, it's time to embrace change to make you future ready for the opportunities ahead of us. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.